Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. That'll be the sermon text today. Well, we're in the season of Lent. Now, I know those of you that are born and raised in the Christian church would say something like, we don't celebrate the season of Lent. That's a Catholic thing, but it really isn't. It's the 40 days prior to Easter that are designated to prepare ourselves to honor and celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And you'll see our crosses are decorated uh, with royalty that Jesus rose from the grave. Uh, sometimes churches will only use drape the crosses in purple after Easter Sunday. I think it's okay early because we know why we're celebrating. We don't participate in all the things, uh, Wednesday foot washing service and Monday, Thursday and Good Friday. Um, but we do try to concentrate on Easter uh, 40 days prior with various sermons and things. By the way, on Good Friday, I'm gonna join with the other Christian church preachers uh, at Peachtree City Christian Church, Friday, I believe at noon or one o'clock. And each preacher is gonna do the last words of Christ a little homily on each one. I don't know what I've been assigned yet, and I've been told to only go five minutes, so uh, I'm not sure how long the service will go, but you'll enjoy that. But at the same time, I've been preaching a series that I think has been very powerful, I hope you agree, which is on letting your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. We've got the PowerPoint up or not? Okay, thank you. So, living your life in such a way that the good deeds that you do give God the credit. That's from Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. So now what does that have to do with Easter? This giving God the credit. Uh, well, before I get into that, I really think the last couple of weeks have been really great, haven't they? Better Way Ministries and Bobby Dodd and Patrick, wonderful, inspiring. In fact, we've, we have church members who are beginning to, to collect um, undershirts and undergarments and toiletries to be able to give to Better Way and to help that ministry. And that was really inspiring to me. How can we be uh, the church uh, to Better Way? And then last week we had Christian City here, or just one aspect of Christian City, Carl and a chaplain. And uh, I asked Carl, well, how, how can we minister to the folks in the, the dementia unit and, and the nursing home? And I love what Carl said. He said, you know, those people are people. So how you minister to people is how you administer to those people. You gotta get, get rid of the mentality of trying to fix somebody, but instead to be with them the ministry of presence. We can all give the ministry of presence. That's a way that we can do good deeds in such a way that God gets the glory. Um, so here we are in the text now, Mark chapter 14. I think Christians are infected with the following problem. We have a rationale. I talk about doing good deeds so that God gets the glory. 
And Christians think, okay, I agree, I should, I will someday, but this is not a good time for me. It's not a good time for me. I mean, after all, we're in the pandemic. How many times does this happen? We're not allowed to touch each other. We have limitations on all, everything that we do. This is not a good time to do good deeds. And that's why I chose this morning's Easter text. Because this morning's Easter, te Easter text is based on the last week of Jesus' life. So if you want to talk about a, a difficult time, the last week of Jesus' life would be one. Clearing the temple. They're trying to arrest Jesus. Jesus is washing the disciples' feet to teach them what the greatest is. His betrayal by Judas. This was not a good time. In fact... Very few people did very good. Very few people showed well during the last week of Jesus. Right? What did Peter do the last week of Jesus' life? Denied him. What did James and John do the last week of Jesus' life? Well, they all ran away. They all left. They, they got in an argument as to who would be the greatest to sit in the left and the right. All the, disciple, all the disciples fled. Who, which disciple betrayed Jesus? Judas. Nobody showed well on the last week. But somebody did. Somebody did. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 11 reads like this. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. If that's your own Bible, I would underline that. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Let me pray quickly here. Lord, we humble ourselves before these words, and we really want to emulate the beautiful thing that this woman did. This is not a good time for us, for any of us, but yet this is the perfect time to demonstrate the extent of our love to you. Help us, Lord, to do beautiful things. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ is told, this woman's story will be told. But isn't it ironic that we all know the name of Judas? 
but we don't even know this lady's name. Now I know you biblical savvy people know that the same stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in John it's Mary, uh, the sister of Lazarus, and in the Gospel of Luke, it is a sinful woman. So we're just going to try to concentrate on Mark and his rendition, because he tells, he tells it a certain way. He says that what this woman has done will be remembered. But I bet you most of us remember the name of Judas and what he did rather than this woman and what she did. Are you guilty of that? Why is it that we remember Judas? He's the one that did the deed, right? Or did he? He did in a sense. But who was it that chose for Jesus to die on the cross? Was it Judas? Who was it? God. This was God's plan from the very beginning. Jesus was born to die. Now, Judas did the deed, but in a larger sense, it was God's love and grace that made it happen. Judas just played a role. But why is it that we remember Judas and not the woman? Well, maybe it's because we don't have her name. I don't think that's it at all. Even though it is ironic that we have Judas's name, but we don't have her name. And Jesus says she's going to be remembered. I think it's easy to be critical and think of the negative more than it is the positive. Isn't it? Every good movie's got to have an evil character. Have you ever noticed that? I've watched so much TV that when I'm watching an episode of NCIS or whatever, I'm already trying to predict who the bad guy is. And it's normally the good guy at the beginning. You're like, oh, yeah. You see some guy, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's, he's the one. He's the good guy. And he's just like, no, right away. No, he's actually the bad guy. Because we know that good drama involves the bad guy. And how, we went to a movie a couple days ago, and they're going to do a movie on Corella. What's it called, Natalie? Corella? 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 Deville, who's the chick that is trying to kill the Dalmatians, right? With a half black, half white hair. So we got whole movies on Maleficent, Maleficent and Corella, or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Bad people. Because we like bad people. It's easy to say, you're a bad person. Because when we start concentrating on good people, Good people who only, you don't even know their name. They're only giving God the glory. That makes us feel a little uncomfortable because we, we should be like that person. It's a lot easier to say, well, don't be like that person than it is to say, be like that person. Isn't it? Well, let's get into the text. The text occurs at a peak, a political peak in Israel's history, Passover. That's when faithful Jews would go to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, and they would go and, and worship and offer sacrifice. 
And lots and lots of people were coming into Jerusalem for this pilgrimage. So many that we know historically the Romans would send troops to the garrison located just outside of Jerusalem in case there was any trouble. They wanted to quash any kind of ideas that the Jews would declare their independence. So this was an intense, highly motivated time. That's why when they went to say that they wanted to arrest Jesus, they said, let's not do it during this time because they were afraid of the crowds. Now, Jesus is at somebody's house. Did you see who it was? Simon. So say Simon the leper for you all. We don't know anything about Simon the leper. Uh, we don't have in the Gospel of Mark any examples where Jesus healed a leper. Of course, it would be unclean for Jesus to be in the home of a leper based on the righteousness of the Jews unless he was healed. Maybe this is an example of Jesus eating with all the wrong people, like a leper. Or maybe this is somebody that Jesus had healed. But nonetheless, he's there eating. And then we have a no-named lady. My text says a woman. She comes with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Now, Mark doesn't tell us how expensive it is, but one of the other Gospels, what is the Gospel of Matthew? Says what? It's worth how much? A year's wages. A year's wages. 300. Um, 300 um, denarii, is that what it is? I think so. A denarii being one day's wages. So 300 days' wages. I don't know how much you make in 300 days. I'm not talking to retired people like you, Rex, that don't make anything. How much do you make in 300 days? I mean, how much you would hope to make? Isn't it interesting that she takes this very expensive perfume, whatever that amount is you came up with in 300 days, and she breaks the glass. Isn't that what it says? Which means she spilled it out. She's lost it. She doesn't uh, cut off the top and dab a little you know, to keep some for a rainy day. She breaks it. She uses it up. And it's very expensive. To pour on and mark Jesus' head. To pour on his head. Contrast that with Judas. How much money did he betray the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver, 300 denarii versus 30 pieces of silver. Who really knows the value of Jesus? A disciple or a no-named woman? She spoils the perfume on his head because according to Mark it was in preparation for what? Her burial. Jesus had been telling them all along that he was going to die. Didn't he? They didn't get it. His own disciples didn't get it. They didn't believe it. Do you know who got it? A lady with no name. 
she knew he was going to die. And so she broke the expensive perfume to prepare him for his burial. She knew how much he was worth. She gave all that she had. Whereas Judas gets 30 pieces of silver. And she prepares Jesus for burial. When the disciples think, let's pull a sword. Let's make this thing happen. Peter and the sword. Now, why did she not spend her time convincing the 12 that he was going to die? She knew what they couldn't understand, right? Why not sit down with Peter and say, hey, Peter, listen, you don't understand what's going on. He's going to die on the cross. It's important that I do this because he's going to be buried. Why didn't she spend her time trying to convince them? I'm just curious of your opinion. I don't have an answer. Do they have an opinion? Yeah, why would they believe her if they don't believe the Son of God? I mean, she is, don't get mad at me, just a woman, right? Have you ever been in a board meeting? How long does it take to convince 12 people of anything? Well, I don't know, I'm still waiting. You're not going to convince 12 people. That's why I think social media is laughable. Some people expend all their time trying to convince somebody on social media when we know in real life you can't even convince your kid to do something, let alone other people through social media. This woman doesn't waste her time with a lot of talking. She does which goes along with the whole theme of doing deeds so that God gets the glory. How often are Christians guilty of saying all the right stuff, but never doing? I still reflect on what Bobby Dodd said. He said, Rex, and uh, who was it from uh, Christian City? I forgot her name. Are the only two people that not only talked, but they did. And he says, I was, Bobby Dodd said, I'm thankful to be here at this church because this church might be the only church that was ever praying for me. You didn't just talk, you did. Listen, this lady could have talked, but she did. And you know what? The disciples were indignant with her and they rebuked her because she wasted a lot of money. And Mark it wasn't because Judas was helping himself to the treasury. That's another gospel. And Mark, they were all righteously indignant. How would you waste money like this, right? This is wrong. And they rebuked her. That's a strong word. Jesus rebuked the demons, right? They rebuked her. Jesus is not happy. What does Jesus say to them? Leave her alone. Hmm. You know what? There's always going to be disagreements over how money is spent. Did you know that? They rebuked her because they thought that money could go to the poor. They thought it was a waste because they didn't understand the magnitude of the situation. There's always going to be disagreements over how money is spent by good, godly people. The disciples were not evil. 
They weren't like, oh, no, we just don't like this lady. No, some of them thought that's a waste of 300 days income pouring it over his head. They were righteously indignant because they didn't understand. Listen, don't get caught up in the disagreements over money because good people are going to disagree over how money is spent. Nine years ago, I wanted a newfangled electronic sign on the corner of New Hope and Hickory, kind of like the Seventh-day Adventist church has, that flashes up the things that we're doing so that people would come to the church because they see all the activities that we're doing. Unfortunately, that sign cost $21,000. Our current sign cost $9,000. I remember the conversation because somebody said, why would we spend $21,000? Do you know how many people we could feed with $21,000? Which is true. You could feed a lot of people with $21,000. Nine years later, do you know how many people we've fed with that savings of $11,000? Nobody. It sounds good, though. But we didn't spend eight or $9,000 and then take the other eleven and feed people with it. It was just a disagreement over how money is being spent. And that's always going to happen. But with Judas, that's the last straw. Did you see that? That was the last straw for him. This is unacceptable. She's given out that much money to pour over Jesus' head, I'm going to collect my little 30 pieces of silver. He drew a line in the sand. I've noticed that a lot of people draw the line in the sand, and it doesn't have to do with Jesus at all. It has to do with how money is spent. I want to warn you about that, by the way. Don't make little issues like money or furniture or instruments be the thing that causes you to leave the faith. <laughs> the pandemic has required that we create a middle aisle so that we can take communion without passing trays because we don't want COVID going down a tray. We don't want to be what's it called a super spreader. But I had several people say, if you remove any pews, I am never coming back. Now, they left before the four pews have been taken away. But we made that decision when we removed the pews that we might lose some people because the pews are that important. We lost some people when we put the Connect Center coffee in there. If there's any coffee, they're leaving and they won't come back. We've had all kinds of people threaten to leave for all kinds of reasons. Early on, I thought, well, let's not cause any problems. We don't want to lose anybody. Let's just make everybody happy. But what I've learned over time is the person that's going to leave over this little thing is going to find another little thing that they're going to leave over. Our job as a church is to put Jesus Christ first. Put Jesus Christ first and then let things play out the way they are. This was simply not acceptable for Judas this waste of money. And so he decided to betray. 
Now, notice what the woman did. She anointed Jesus with perfume. Does the Bible command people to anoint others with perfume? Is there any command? She simply did something that was not commanded in the Bible. She took the initiative and she did what she could do, even though it wasn't required. I think sometimes we can limit Christians by saying, this is what a Christian should do in order to be righteous. And we make it so easy, just come to church, just give an offering, just go to church work day, just help in this way, and then you're good. All you have to do is do these three or four things. It's simply not enough to keep us busy. We can't define our righteousness based on what we do in the church. There's not enough to do. We can't just follow commands. Our guiding principle is not in commands. Our guiding principle is in relationship. Listen to that again. Our guiding principle is in relationship. I see Rex right here on the second row. And Rex is, has upped his game because Gail, who would be here if she could, is at home on oxygen and doesn't get out very much. And Rex has learned, is learning how to cook. Am I right, Rex? And sometimes Rex will post pictures of things that, that Gail has made through him. And he will do things that he wasn't doing before. He tells me the things that he's learning to do. If I were to write a list of what it is to be a good husband, my list is gonna differ from Rex's list. Because at different times in our life, we have to do different things. And it's all based on relationship. I wish she came. I don't think uh, Glennis is here today. Is she here, Mimi? Did you see her? We had a, a la young lady come to the church yesterday at the end of our church cleaning day. Her mama just died. And she just came in. Her church is closed. And our church was open because we were cleaning day. And she just wanted to come into the sanctuary and sit down. She came in, she just cried and cried and cried. I came in and said, hey, I'm the, I'm the preacher here. Um, can I help you? And she goes, no. You know, so I left with my tail between my legs. But Mimi came and just put her arms around her and talked to her and prayed with her. And here she had been the caregiver of her mom for 12 years, 12 years. You know how much is involved in being the caregiver of somebody for 12 years and the kind of loss that there is? But she would not, she would not, she did it gladly because it was done through relationship. See, I think this woman anointed Jesus with perfume gladly because it was done in the context of a relationship, not in the context of obedience. Our Christianity needs to come out of our relationship with Christ, not because of what the Bible tells us to do. Don't be constrained by that.
Gail worked for a surgeon in Fort Wayne, Indiana, a trauma surgeon, double boarded, former military. She especially loved to do trauma. One time an, an Amish girl, there's an Amish population outside of Fort Wayne, Indiana, was kicked by a horse. She was put in a coma. And Dr. Island, I'll never forget, Gail came home and was teary-eyed and so touched because here this double-boarded trauma surgeon painted this Amish girl's toenails while she was in a coma. Now, that's not her job. That's not her job requirements. It's something that's done in the context of a relationship. And even a surgeon or a husband or a neighbor can do that. You can go do yard work for somebody without being asked. You can bring a meal to somebody without being asked. You can talk on the phone and listen for hours without being asked. You can donate things without being asked. You can pay bills without being told. There's so many things that we can do in the context of relationship. She did that. And Jesus says that she did a beautiful thing. Friends here at Faithful Christian Church, what is it that we could do for God that would be a beautiful thing? What would be a beautiful thing that we could do? I don't know. I don't know that we think about it that way. Maybe we think about what needs to be done, but not what would be a beautiful thing. Now ask a guy that's engaged to a young lady, what would be something you could do for her that would be a beautiful thing and he could rattle off a whole list because he's trying to impress her, trying to do good things. But what is a beautiful thing that we could do for Christ? I'm finishing an audio book from Major Dick Winters, who was the um, platoon or the, the leader of Easy Company, 501st Airborne, landed Normandy D-Day, war hero. And um, there's a, a HBO series and a movie called Band of Brothers that was based on his outfit. One of the things that Dick Winters recognized is that his training that he received in the States for World War II, for Normandy, D-Day, that those officers that could just follow law rules but could not think outside the box, that once they landed in Normandy, they struggled because they could not critically think. They could only do what they were told. And if here you landed in the wrong spots, away from all of your squad leaders and your equipment, and there was no communication lines, there was no chain of command, they struggled, they fell apart. They could not think independently. But those people who were trained that they could land and they could just think on their feet, they could think independently, those are the people that succeeded. That's the same thing that we Christians need to recognize, that, that God has landed us in this spot, Fayetteville Christian Church, or where you live. And now you have landed on your feet, and now you've got to think independently. How can I love God? How can I do a beautiful thing to God? Well, let me finish with this. What can we do that's beautiful to God? There's a passage in Matthew chapter 25 that talks about uh, 
the judgment of the sheep and the goats. And remember, um, those that were the sheep, they cared for, they gave clothing to the naked, they visited those who were sick. Remember that? And then the goats, though, they're like, well, when did we see you naked? And when did we uh, see that you, you know, needed medicine or whatever? And you remember the reply on Judgment Day? Whatever you've done for the least of these, right, you've done for me. Now check this out. This is crazy. What is leading our Christian deeds is not me telling you what to do. It's not the elders telling you what to do. It is the least of these motivating us to do. This church is being led by the least because what we see that the least of these need is prompting us to do because we see Christ in them. So you see, the direction that we're moving is not to become a healthier church, but it is to love God and to do beautiful things to God and the people that God puts us in. We've landed here, we're thinking on our feet, and now we're looking for the least of these so that we might do the good deeds and bring God the glory. We're truly being led from the bottom up. It bothers me. It bothers me that we don't know this lady's name. Does that bother you? I like John. It's Mary. Mark does not give her name. Does Mark not know her name? Does Mark not think her name is important? Does Mark not want to give her name? Because then we would start making her, her name, Bertha, just that's make believe to be a saint everybody needs to become like Bertha maybe he chose to not have her name so that her deed is remembered and not her name right on the way here this morning I had a memory of Woody I remember Woody Woody Woodgard he was in the builder's class with Jack King. I started thinking Carl brought up Nora last week. Nora's mom taught me how to make cinnamon rolls. I started thinking about all the people in my 10 years that this church has buried. Many of them, their names are forgotten. Their names are forgotten. But if they did the right deeds... Those things carry on. I want to tell you, don't get mad at me. Your name is going to be forgotten. If you donate a plaque that's got your name on it, that plaque's going to be removed someday. Your name is going to be forgotten. John Eads built the, the two crosses, right? The two crosses out there. And John said, you remove those crosses whenever you want. I don't want anybody worshiping those crosses and saying they have to be up there. It says, I don't want to create a system where somebody has to do it because I built it. 
Your name is going to be forgotten, but your deeds will be remembered. So my challenge for you as we depart today, you do a beautiful thing to Christ. Look around. The least of these will give you the information, will give you the motive. Don't draw lines or you're going to act like just like Judas. Now you love God and you do beautiful things with the hope that they will see your good deeds and give God the glory. Man, wouldn't it be great if someday, someday we'll be remembered because of what we did in our love for God and for no other reason. I can't tell you what her name is. I, I don't even remember what, I don't remember what her name is. Nobody remembers her name. But you know what? She loved God passionately. I wish I could remember her name, but boy, did she love God. Would that be a great tribute? I think that would. Let that be our inspiration. Let me close with prayer.